Hey, follow community. Happy post-Easter episode. How was that? Ooh, pretty different. It's interesting that so many times we're trying to come up with a new way to share the story of Christ's resurrection, but this was not one I'm guessing any of us had in mind. For sure, I've been reminded that God is unchanging and that he is still the same in the midst of all this. And yeah, this Easter has been no different. I've been super impressed by how much amazing work I've seen and heard about from so many church tech people. Um, You all are crushing it out there. I mean, if ever there was a time that the church needed us, it's now. And actually, they pretty much always needed us, but now it's just a little more obvious. Not that this totally falls into a church production category, but I heard of one children's ministry that turned their Easter egg hunt into a Minecraft game uh, that the kids could do at home. Like they built the entire map and hid eggs. And man, I love that. such a great idea. I'm sure that there were tons more stories like this around the world. And I know that many of you were a part of thinking differently about Easter to make your churches as good as possible in this new reality way to go. If you're new to our podcast, we're not always talking about quarantines or Minecraft Easter egg hunts. Our goal is to help technical artists in the local church to become more effective so that our churches can become more effective. Basically, an extension of the Philo Conference all year round. And if you're keeping up with all the news from us at Philo, you know that our conference on May 19th and 20th is totally digital. It's virtual, it's online. For us, it's been a giant pivot of thinking, time and energy, but I'm excited for what it's going to be. I mean, if you've already got a ticket, you'll be receiving an email with a link to the stream along with a unique access code, which will not only give you entrance into the live event, but it will also work for watching the available content on demand afterwards. To order all of these in our resource center, you'd be looking to spend north of 500 bucks. So we're excited to offer all the resources on demand for you after the event, because, you know, as I said, our goal is to try to make you more effective. And we felt like this was a great way to do that. And while the method of how we're doing Philo has pivoted this year, the goal is still the same. We're still doing skill development. We're still working on how to have community together. And we're hopefully going to be inspired to keep doing what we're doing. Uh, We're planning for all these things to still be true at the end of the event in May. And we'd love to have you there. So if you haven't bought a ticket yet, you can go to philo.org for the info. For those of you who haven't ever been to Philo because of travel, you know, it's been too difficult. Now's your time. If you live in Europe, join us. If you're in South America, join us. Even if you live on the West Coast, if you live in Oregon, now's your chance. Join us for the Philo Conference online. All right, on to the podcast. I got a chance to talk with Sabrina Joseph, who I met while we were working together on the Passion Conference in 2018 at the Dallas location. She owns a production company that focuses on creating events and environments for people. And I thought it would be great to sit down with her and explore that idea a little further since that's what we all do every week. So let's jump in. I am here with my friend, Sabrina Joseph. Hey, guys. How are you, Sabrina? I'm doing great. Nice. We're kind of, uh, when we're recording this episode, we're kind of in the heat of the coronavirus uh, mayhem. Right. Maybe we'll be able to look back on this podcast and say, remember how crazy it was? And now things are back to normal. That would be nice. Yeah. Hopefully that's next (laughs) week. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So Sabrina does all kinds of things. And we met a couple of years ago doing the Passion Conference the, that particular year. The Passion Conference had four locations, I think. And yeah. you were the floor producer, I think, or something like that. Yeah. And I was the stage manager. And we sort of met kind of trying to figure out how do we work together and mm-hmm. how do we make this event successful. And as we kept talking, we had more things kind of in common and realized that, yeah, we're both in the production world. And I thought it would be good to kind of have a conversation. So... Thanks for joining. Yeah, thanks for having me. So maybe uh, tell people a little bit about what you're doing currently, mm-hmm. and then we'll kind of rewind and sort of figure out, okay, how did you get there and what is your story to to today? Yeah, that's great. Currently, I am on staff at Passion City Church okay. and love that house, love the church, love the people and the leadership of that church. I've been a part of the church for five years now. So just recently at the beginning of 2020, came on staff and it's been just a great transition for me. I work with our local engagement team, which is mainly focused on all of our outreach events and all of our areas of outreach and help to project manage and oversee um, Night to Shine and also a movement that we have 
um, launched out of our house five years ago called Love Atlanta, where just Mm -hmm. churches and organizations around our city, we all come together for a whole week in the summer and we serve over 500 projects and over 150 partners in our city. And so that's really what we're in the heat of right now is, is launching our Love Atlanta movement um, for June. And okay. yeah, I'm just helping project manage that with our team and care and community groups are under that umbrella as well. And so just, yeah, <laughs> just enjoying it, loving it. Just yeah, the change. I love it. What's your what's your job description? Everything I'm doing. I'm project managing everything. everything. <laughs> Isn't that what every church job is? We do a <laughs> Pretty little much. bit of everything. Yeah. We are team yeah. players. When I think about my, especially when I first started working at a church, yeah, the list of things I had, I don't know, ten things I was responsible for, and none right. of them had anything to do with the other thing. They were just like ten things that needed to get done, and. Yeah, let him do it. That's yeah, it. So. Yeah, just jump in where we're needed. And <laughs> right, yeah. I never thought I would drive a semi truck, but that was on the list. So start learning. Right. Yeah. <laughs> never thought I would have to look up llamas or how to get you know certain <laughs> large animals into a gathering. Right. I think I was just noticing that Passion City uh, that there was a, like a bullfight or a bull, uh, like a rodeo in the in the room. You people are crazy. Yeah, it was it was something else, Todd. Like that was for fight clubs. So so you know the the women have the Grove, and okay. the men have Fight Club, which Louis you know has a has a, an incredible vision for. And this one night they wanted to turn the auditorium into a, a bull riding rink, and so I mean we brought in the dirt, we brought in the bulls, yeah. we brought in the professionals, and. <laughs> It, w- it, it it looked like a professionally done like, yeah. bull riding event. It was incredible. It was incredible. I'd what be they did. curious, how long did it take to clean up after that? Did you it know, take the entire week? Well, we had a cleaning crew that came in right afterwards because that was on a Thursday uh, night. So we had to turn everything around for woo. Sunday morning. <laughs> did the smell, uh, was the smell still there? or It, did, uh, it wasn't from what I, you know, I, I came, I watched <laughs> online, you know, one of our, that was our experience team who, and D- Dave Bagwell, who really spearheaded that and mm-hmm. did an incredible job. So I imagine that he would have a lot more detail than me, but I walked right <laughs> yeah. in on Sunday and I was like, wow, looks like. Never happened. Yeah, normal church. Yeah, amazing. So now uh, you said you were you started working at Passion City in 2020 yes. officially. What what were you doing before that? Prior to coming on staff at Passion, I have been running my own production company for mm-hmm. the last five years. Okay. So yeah, Roya Productions is the name of my company. It really uh, so crazy story of how that birthed, but didn't expect to start a company. And sometimes Jesus does those things and it's just incredible, but really birthed overnight and became, you know, a creative consulting and also kind of fabrication arm to design, create and execute experiences in and out of the church. So we work with both marketplace, you know, client and also church client to oversee design and curate experiences sure. and events. For a lot of people, especially in the age of social media, it's real easy to see like somebody's doing something amazing and right. it just it's so easy and it happens naturally and in fact that's not really the case uh, always and it sometimes just even the faith required to start something. I think it's yeah, it would be just kind of good to hear how you how you ended up starting your own production company. Yeah, that's great. Cause I love those, you know, the, how I built this podcast. Oh yeah. Uh-huh. I love listening to the stories of just how these businesses have launched and relate so much to just the entrepreneurial spirit. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's a real interesting story. And I'm sure that a handful of people, you know, have had something similar happen to them, but I was actually on staff at a church called 12 stone and okay. the creative production role, um, my early, early twenties. And I come right out of college and stepped into ministry, you know, a year after being saved and okay. had no <laughs> idea that I had any skill in me or creative, you know, bone in my body. And it okay. was really amazing how God took just kind of these steps of obedience in my life and just nudging um, to take steps towards 
this job opening at 12 stone to really, it was an accounting job at first, which is hilarious. <laughs> and then uh-huh. I came in on my first day and they're like, Oh, that job doesn't actually exist. <laughs> and you're going to sounds be, like a church right? thing. Yeah. <laughs> you're going to be pretty much the right hand of the creative pastor there. And so th- I was on staff there for six years and really through that process learned, you know, we didn't have producers at the time. We didn't have multi-campus at the time. And, you know, within the first few years that I was on staff, we launched our first campus. We launched this idea of a producer. So I I was really that person that helped to pioneer the model in, in a sense of like, what does it look like to have producers at that particular church? And okay, really learned, you know, creative development and creative series planning and learned how to facilitate a brainstorm meeting, but also just how to take vision from a lead pastor or from, you know, elements that we feel like as a creative team, God has spoken into for a weekend and help bring them to life. Sure. And so there's so many layers of that, but really I sat under an amazing leader and amazing mentorship to really bring out these gifts in me that I never knew that I had which was so incredible because I was in business school, um, in college and, and really part of my dream was, Hey, I want to work for, you know, I want to be a CEO one day, or I want to just work. I knew I wanted to work in the hospitality industry, but production was foreign to me at that time. Sure. And so really, you know, learned a lot at 12 stone, um, and just sensed, at one season that God was actually asking me to step out of mm. this role. And at the time it it didn't make a lot of sense at all. It was so yeah. <laughs> confusing because I just took on a, a new group of, of producer interns at the time. I was super excited to pour into them and develop them as leaders. And we were just about to launch five more campuses and I loved my job and loved uh-huh. the church and, sensed it's time to step out, had no idea what that meant or what that was going to look like. And it it was a, it was a, it took me about a year to really sift with the mentors and sift with God and really hear, okay, is this the right thing? The timing, it just, it was hard to make the logical sense of this. Hey, it's time to step out. You don't know what you're doing next. Yeah. And so it was. sounds very familiar to my life. Does it really? (laughs) Yeah. 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 Yeah, it's time to move on mm-hmm. to what I will show you later. <laughs> but you got to get out now. Yeah, Right. I really resonated with Abraham in that season because it was just yeah. like, go to a land I will show you. Yeah, right. Yeah. Just take Terrifying. the step, take the first step. <laughs> and yeah. so that's what I did. I took the first step and it was tough because, you know, for me, 12 Stone was where I got saved, where I learned about leadership, where I learned about ministry, where all my gifts started to be actualized in my life. And now it's time to take a step out. Yeah. So I did that. And, you know, for me, I thought, okay, overnight, I'm going to have vision for what's next. I'm going to take the step the next day. I'm going to start working on the next thing. And it, it wasn't, that wasn't the case, Todd. It was just like (laughs) waiting. Now take a step and wait. Yep. And it was a year of really sitting with God, you know, doing some different projects here and there with some friends, helping them launch, you know, certain businesses that they had, you know, moving into the, into the city, into the city of Atlanta. I was up in Metro Atlanta where I'd grown up, moved into the city, you know, started helping some different churches down there. But it was really in that season where it was such a special time with, with the Lord and I, and just hearing, okay, God, what is next? And, um, things would bubble up in my heart and bubble up in my life. And, it really started to solidify vision for me. Like what if I could do anything with uh-huh. my life and with the time that God's given me, what would I do? What would it look like? Because mm-hmm. what was interesting during that time is I had some incredible opportunities, some incredible churches and leaders reach out and say, Hey, we would love for you to come on staff. 
doing this? Or do you want to join our team? And all the opportunities were incredible. But uh-huh. once I started taking steps towards that, you know, something in me was just like, this isn't the right thing. Sure. And so to, to help define what the right thing was, it took a lot of sitting with, with the Lord and a lot of saying, well, you know, really, maybe if I can't find the opportunity, I'm supposed to create it. Okay. And so that is where, you know, some of this gifting that God has shown me over the years at 12 stone was to help take a vision and bring it to life. Uh-huh. And so in this season that I had been doing that for everyone, everyone else. And now God was like, I want you to do that for yourself. <laughs> uh-huh. What's the vision for your life and how can you create it? And that was the moment where I still didn't think, Hey, there's a job or a company that's going to come out of this. But I sat down and I took, you know, just a website, just a, I'm a visual person. So I took, I wanted to create a visual resume for myself. So I started to create just a landing page where if I could dream up anything, uh, the perfect job role for me, what would it look like? And then I just kind of created that visually on, on a landing page and, and threw it out on Facebook and asked my friends, does this sound like me? You know, what, what would uh-huh. you, what would you say, you know, I, I should change or does this sound like something that I, I could add value with and overnight, like, one of my friends, the executive director at the John Maxwell company called me the next day. Oh, wow. And said, Hey, we have a three day conference coming up. Um, Georgia capital, Ritz Carlton. I mean, we've got thousands of international leaders coming in from all over the world. We looked at, you know, what, what you just put out, like, that's what we need. How about you come run our conference? Wow. And, (laughs) Overnight, literally, it, it's like this thing birthed. Wow. And it didn't have a name. It didn't have anything. It was just, all right, that sounds good. Let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> and just taking those steps and had to build a team under me. So it was really my best friends and my family that said, sure, right. hey, yeah. we're in with you, whatever this means. Had to launch, <laughs> you know, a fabrication shop arm because we had – 150, 200 awards to design and and make for this conference. And we couldn't find the right vendor to do it. So we said, let's just do it ourselves." Sure. (laughs) And get your paint clothes out. (laughs) Right. We all learned, oh, we have these skill sets that we didn't know we had. Uh It was incredible to see in, in a three month period of time going from absolutely nothing to running a conference and envisioning a program, envisioning, you know, a space. And it was during that time that I sat down and I said, well, I'm, I need to put a name to this thing or, uh-huh. you know, a website or have to make it legit in some way, shape or form. Right. And, and so I had sat down and, and part of my, when I wrote down the things that I wanted to do with my life or how I would want to mm-hmm. impact the world, the well, some of the words that were on that page were like vision and excellence. Mm. And I sat down at my kitchen table. I remember one day and I just heard the word Roya. Okay. I'd never heard this word before. Uh huh. I go and I look it up on the computer and it means vision or dream oh, wow. and excellence. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and it's a feminine word that is, has a root in, of the Mediterranean, which is where my background is. Okay. And I'm Lebanese, a part Lebanese, my family is. Okay. Interesting. I am too, which is a Are you really? Uh, maybe another. Yeah, my um uh, sorry to interrupt your story. No. My great my great grandfather uh, was from Lebanon and um actually uh, my last name should be Harfouch. Really? Uh, which is yeah. Got changed to Elliot, so oh, did it? little a, little a more small American. fact. Yeah, <laughs> well, that uh, my yeah, it's a long. Well, maybe not a long story. My grandfather, my great grandfather, left when my grandfather was five, and so when my grandfather had an opportunity 
to change his name. He's like, I don't want to have anything to do with that guy. So he changed his name to Elliot. So. All right. And here you are. There you go. Dodge that bullet. Anyway, Lebanese. That's great. We have some Lebanese yeah. roots together. That's incredible. <laughs> yeah. Didn't know that. Yeah. So, yeah, when I heard this word and I saw the connection to, uh-huh. you know, it was just another kind of God wink because it was like, yeah, hey, yeah. this is the word just really described just the impact that I wanted to make in the world and, and who I wanted sure. to be. And, and so, yeah, Roya Productions really birthed from that and helping people create a vision and then take uh-huh. that vision and make it a reality um, and all the steps inside of that. And yeah. so, yeah, that's how I started. We're going to take a quick break from the story for a new part of our podcast. From time to time, we'll be featuring some of our sponsors. And I had this idea of creating some new music that would let you know that we're entering a different part of the podcast. Uh, so I asked my son, Carson, who just happens to have written the Philo podcast theme song and is also a huge social media influencer in quotation marks. Uh, I asked him to write some music for our commercial spots, and this is the first time you'll hear it, and it sounds a little something like this. Okay, so when you hear this music, you know, hey, this is, uh, we've got a sponsor who's got something cool to, to share. So let's just jump right into our first sponsor highlight. The year is 1995. The new show Star Trek Voyager just airs on cable TV. DC Talk's Jesus Freak first hits the shelves. Remember when music hit shelves? Five guys form a boy band called In Sync, And the 49ers win out over the Chargers 49 to 26 in Super Bowl 29. 1995 is also the year the Clark brothers started their first project. The theater for a new church in the Atlanta suburbs we all have heard of by now, North Point Community Church. And believe it or not, 1995 was 25 years ago, which makes me feel super old. And since then, Clark's been busy, busy designing, drawing, and building some of the best live entertainment systems in the country. What started as a passion project for George and Houston Clark has grown into a national team with offices in Atlanta, Orlando, Dallas, Denver, and L.A., Hyper-specialized in church live production, Clark Systems have a lower total cost of ownership. Executive pastors are going to love that. And architects and general contractors love their industry standard blueprints and drawings. All this streamlines communication during your project, saves you money in the long run, and basically makes you look like a hero. If you're looking at opening a new campus, upgrading lighting systems, or hanging a PA, Clark's an excellent choice. Willow Creek used Clark for a huge HD upgrade in 2015 followed by the Willow Creek North Shore campus, and then again for a smaller space at Willow Chicago two years later. And I can tell you Clark stands behind every room they build. Some call it a warranty, some call it tech support. At Clark, they just call it business as usual. Ever since the first North Point campus in 1995, George has been pushing the Clark team to build the least expensive right solution. And that's part of why they've got 25 years of satisfied clients, from corporations and law firms to theme parks and cruise ships, and especially where it all started, House of Worship. To get more information on Clark, text Philo to 47177 or visit clark.is forward slash contact. That's Philo, F-I-L-O, to 47177 or online at clark.is forward slash contact. All right, let's get back to our story with Sabrina. She just got finished telling us about how her company, Roya Productions, was started. Here we go. In your story, the I think the the part that's interesting, I mean, it's all very interesting, but the kind of you say, so I built a website, and then the very next day I had a three-day conference with John Maxwell, right. which feels like, well, if, you know, that would never happen to me <laughs> right? whatever. But just maybe a reminder that there was a year of waiting Right. Uh, there was a year of figuring out. There was a, a, right. a whole year of like, I don't know what I'm doing. Right. Um, and so maybe not to to boil your story down to, and then somebody called, uh, you know, that it, it is something that, yeah, to allow space for God to work and speak to you and yes. f- help you figure out what you want to be about. Yeah. And then, yeah, that somebody called is just one step in that whole process, not like, it was just an instant magic moment. Exactly. 
that that um, I'm looking up a book right now that has really like spoke to me over the years. But there's this been this idea of the anonymous leader and had learned a lot about, you know, during seasons of of waiting and seasons of where you feel like even, you know, you can't see what God is doing. And I love that we're seeing Waymaker, you know, in the season in, in the church that like, you know, even when I can't see it, you're working. And a lot of the six years that I was on staff at 12 Stone, it was forming in me uh-huh. just so much unseen. Yeah. And I remember so many seasons and, you know, we still have those seasons because there's lit, we're always growing, but I'm just yeah. feeling completely anonymous to myself and to, you know, God, why have you called me here? And, and what am I doing? And am I using any of my, you know, skills? And it's just, it's incredible to see how God forms a leader. Yeah. Because so much, I mean, we see in scripture as well, like so much happens in, in private and so much happens in dark seasons and so much happens in seasons where, it might look completely confusing, right? But it's the times. I mean, because I, for sure, I had a, a lot of ups and downs during that year where I just, I bet, <laughs> I thought I didn't hear God right. Mm-hmm. Maybe I didn't hear from God. You know, maybe it was me telling myself to stop. I mean, so much going back and questioning: Did I really yeah. hear that right? Because here I'm going from you know, having this amazing community and doing something that I was really fulfilled in doing and then feeling like I just stepped into a season of nothing. Right. And I think it's incredible that you pointed that out because really it feels like, oh, sometimes things happen overnight, but we know that God has been preparing us, preparing us for that. And if we're faithful in the process then when that opportunity comes, we're ready for it. Yeah. And for me, it was more of having the courage. When right. when Roya started to launch, it was like, oh, wow. And having the courage to say yes and to step into it. When I didn't feel like I had any of the resources to really to do that. <laughs> right. Yep. So it's incredible to see what God does with faith. Yeah, I know for me that, you know, stepping away from my job at Willow Creek, I thought, well, you know, something will come up uh, between right. now and my, <laughs> when I, my actual last day. And, you know, I talked to a few people, and but nothing came up. And But I think uh, when I look back on the story of the Philo Conference and how that started, you know, it was, yeah. if I did not have the space uh, to sit and think and pray and wonder, you know, God, what do you have for my life? Yeah. Um, I wouldn't have had the moment of saying, you know what, I should try this. And if it doesn't work, it, that's not, uh, you know, then I'm just stop doing it. But if I don't do it, I'm going to regret the opportunity. So, but yeah, it wouldn't have happened without kind of the vacuum left by, you know, okay, leave your job and now wait. Wow. I, yeah. Todd, I didn't even know that we had such similar <laughs> <laughs> stories in that way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I know, uh, looking back, so this is, uh, what year is it? 2020. So our first set of conferences was in 2015. Okay. And, uh, yeah, that first year was not, uh, it was tough, uh, whatever, but it's easy to look back now and it feels like an established thing and it's been around for five years. Right. And, uh, but yeah, those, it wouldn't have happened without kind of that moment of, all right, I'm going to take a risk wow. and who knows. And this is maybe a stretch of an analogy, but I was just watching a documentary last night, which I've forgotten the name of, but it was about cinema audio. So it was like soundtracks and sound effects and just the story of sound in movies. And there was a whole thing about Star Wars, the original Star Wars, and they're like, what what is R2-D2 sound like? How do we do that? He, it has to be a language that people can kind of understand what, you know, that he's excited or asking a question or whatever, but we don't know how to do that. And so they 
you know, they're interviewing George Lucas and the sound designer and they're just like, oh, I hope this works, you know, and they're losing sleep over it. And will the audience get it? And, you know, for us looking back, it's like, well, of course, R2-D2, we all know how he sounds right. and that's totally normal. But right. at the time it was like, ooh, that's, we're taking a risk. And anyway, just that idea of taking a leap and seeing what God can do. I think it, it's something that, I've had a few moments in my life where that's, I've been able to see those, to take a leap and see God show up. Yeah. I think for many people, we either myself included, not paying attention every day to those, the small versions of that. Right. But even trusting God enough to take the leap. I yeah. think a lot of people miss out because of fear, probably. Yeah, no doubt. And there's, I mean, it's hard to discern those moments too, you know, because yeah. you use wisdom and, and you don't, you know, it's it's not just like, hey, go out and quit your job tomorrow because you have a right. dream. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, that's not it at all. It, it's more so the day in and day out of sitting with God, being with God, learning his voice. Yeah. And like yeah. I said, it took me a year to even make the decision to step out of that role. Yeah, wow. And so, you know, you just come to a place, you know, I feel like a lot of people, that's one of the main questions they ask is like, Ask me after I share that story. It's like, well, how do I know that God is what he's saying to me? Because it is hard. The tension is like you have this secure job or you have this thing that even God's called you into. Um, And that was how I felt. I felt very strongly that that was where I was supposed to be for a season of time. Mm -hmm. But I think, you know, after sitting with him for that year and also talking to mentors and also a lot of prayer, like, it's just like there was a moment where I felt like, okay, you know, I'm ready. And this is this yeah. is time and now it's it's right. And Yeah, I think too the when I think about my own my most recent kind of stepping away uh moment, uh yeah, it took a couple months of mm-hmm. like realizing, okay, something's going on right now. Right. All right, let's dig into this yeah. and see. So spending time in God's word, praying, journaling, waiting. Right. Um, yeah, it was definitely not an overnight decision, but yeah, to get yourself into a place where you're attuned to God speaking. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's important. And it, it's, there's still a giant leap of faith required. I mean, I, when Incredible. I think about it, I would not recommend this to anyone, but like I had three kids, I mean, I have three kids, but that like one was a senior in high school, you know, just like the, oh, and then wow. I'm down the line. I'm just like, I'm quitting my job. What are you crazy? <laughs> Uh, anyway it's all turned out that's great okay so let's uh maybe talk a little bit about bringing uh someone's vision to life so that Mm -hmm. uh working at 12 stone was a lot of what you did what i know from you from passion city it's what you're doing there too uh what we've done at different events and then even as you know as a business owner somebody's got an idea and you're trying to turn it into a thing a real uh, thing and I know just from a production, from a, like the technician or the, you know, the production side of events, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, give me the list. I'll, you know, I'll make it happen, you know, and get it done. And in churches, it's a lot of times there's resource issues. Uh, I would, I would say there's resource issues everywhere. You know, you just can't do whatever you want, but do you have a formula or some way that you're thinking about somebody has an idea? How do I make it? How do I take that and turn it into something? Yeah, I think that's great. There's all sorts of different ideas and visions, you know, and it all looks different. The process looks different. But I think there are Uh some core things about the creative process as a whole that we can look at and as kind of a a guideline for how a lot of ideas get birthed. And Uh The interesting thing is I feel like it's very similar to what we just described about our businesses, that Mm -hmm. the creative process, it's not something that you can really put a formula to, but it is something, you know, that I've seen in my life that the Holy Spirit is heavily involved in and Uh space and margin, especially on the front end of our process is really where the imagination starts and sparks uh-huh. from. And so for me, when it, I mean, any client that I had worked with or would work with, 
one of the first things that I do is really just listen. And before, you know, an idea would be birthed or, or something would, you know, a vision would come to mind. I think a lot of it is getting to the heart of, of the story. And right. what story are we trying to tell? Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you've seen, you know, the TED talk from Simon Sinek where he talks about the why and how yeah. the why, yeah, is, is really the anchor point of, of what we do. We first have to go to the why we do it. And right. I think for me that, that, that talk was, was monumental for me to put words around this. But, you know, even if it's for myself or if it's for a client or if it's for an event, it's really taking the time to sit down and say, okay, why are we doing this? Yeah. And if we can get to the heart of the story that we want to tell, and there, there are some key questions that I, I usually always ask on the front end of that process as well. Like, what do we want the audience to experience or feel when they walk into the room or they engage with our product? What do we want them to feel or experience? Mm-hmm. And I think that question often raises a lot of, you know, answers that help us get and boil down to the why we're doing what we're doing. Sure. And for me, you know, I kind of have like a three layered phase and process that I help walk clients through where it's really just a session of those types of questions that build on each other. And we just take different categories and we put post-it notes up on the wall. And so first question is like, what do you want people to feel and experience when they come to your X event or when we launched X campaign or X product? And, and just for, for two minutes, give them two minutes to write down everything they can on a different post-it note. Okay. So usually I'll work with either executive teams or, you know, the, the, the leadership team that has the decision-making for that particular. And so we'll just take, you know, that two minutes, they'll write down all the words. And what's really interesting, Todd, is like, what you'll see through that process is when you begin to put those up on the wall, there's a common thread that you will find throughout what everybody has written. And I think, you know, from the, I talked a little bit about the Holy spirit. How does the Holy spirit, like, what does the Holy spirit do in the creative process? Like, how does that, you know, work? And for me, it's just at the beginning of these sessions, really praying that the Lord would speak to us, to the leaders, and that those things, the common thread, the one word, the, the theme, the thought, that, that would we would be able to see it and it would be raised to the surface during our time together. And so this is really the, the beginning of the vision, the birthing of sure. an idea. And so over three sessions, you know, we would build and build and build on that concept Okay. And it would start to form and you would start to see it. And for everybody in the room, it's like, oh, wow. We're all talking about fearlessness. Or that's what's wow. coming up to the surface is like for this conference this year, it looks like the word is momentum. And right, right. So I think it's just being attentive and being aware. But also what I've seen with the creative process is so many people want to jump straight to the result and straight to the execution. And we want to bypass the entire process (laughs) because there's so much ambiguity in it. It's not comfortable to sit in the gray area. So we want to know, okay, what's session one going to look like? Right, right. Yeah. Right. We want to sit down right now and we want to say, what is session one going to look like? Who's going to come speak for us? And where are the creative, right. what's the opener going to feel like? But, yeah. Right? Yeah. Nope. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> but I think we need at least 30 days, at least a huh. month of saying, let's take the space, the time. Let's invite God into the process and let's begin to, to form and shape where is the, what is our why and what right. is the heartbeat about what we want to communicate and sure. then work backwards from there. We have a message. Yep. Now let's connect the dots. Sure. Yeah. I the thing that uh, I have struggled with in my years of trying to create uh, to execute somebody's ideas is that the patience to yeah. let an idea kind of 
just sit there because I'm immediately in troubleshooting mode. I'm trying to, you got an idea. I'm going to try and start working out the details. And I mean, I, I've said this on the podcast, I think before, just I've been kicked out of so many brainstorming meetings because I, (laughs) because I just can't deal with the, the crazy ideas that now have to be executed on um, instead of just letting it sit there and letting the kind of the process sift through the crazy ideas to the idea that we're actually going to do. And now let's figure out how to do it. Yeah. And you know what? I think that's totally okay because I I Mm. do think that there are particular people that their skill set is more, you know, the technical side of things where, so on, on meeting three, I'll usually bring in more of the technical or production execution minded type of people because then they can, it's, it's all the bridges are important. And so there's a gap between, okay, now we're in, we've, we're getting out of idea phase. We need to move into execution phase because so many ideas just die in idea phase. Sure. They're great ideas, but how are we going to make them happen happen? And it's just, having, you know, knowing who's in the room for, you know, each phase of of that meeting to help that idea continue to, to move into reality. And I think, so it's the beginning. Yeah. The beginning process is like, Hey, your dreamers, your decision makers. And as you move, you get more, you know, execution people in the room, technical people in the room at at the right Mm -hmm. timing so that that idea can have, you know, the space to, to bubble up and to form but not let it sit too long where, okay, now it's time to actually make this thing happen. Right, right. So it's the handoff. There's a creative person that I've worked with before. We have this uh, box that we draw that uh, I'm trying to think, like one half of it is execution and one is like ideas. And the closer, maybe time is on the bottom. I'm not explaining this very well, but the time is on the bottom of the this graph and the closer, the further away from the actual execution, it's all ideas. Right. And then there's a diagonal line that sort of runs through this box that the closer you get to the execution, the ideas become less and less and the execution becomes more and more. So that yeah. you're yeah, just like appropriately, by the time you're right up against the event, yeah, new ideas, we're done with those. Or it's time to execute. Right. And that has been so helpful for me to think about yeah, at the beginning, let it be all ideas. And then maybe I'll throw in one little thing. Yeah, uh, we can't do that legally or, you know, whatever the the technical thing, just kind of lob it out there right. to, to redirect <laughs> some of the creative ideas right. instead of just shutting the whole idea down because that's impossible. Exactly. Um, yeah. And I think uh, something you said earlier, I'd love to revisit the whole idea of why. Why are we doing this? Uh-huh. I think is something that gets lost in so many I'll just say it. So many churches trying to do something that's cool or they've seen other churches do and say, we've got to do that instead of figuring out why do we have to do that? And maybe it makes perfect sense, but I think so many places feel like they're on autopilot, just like, well, this is what we do, or this is how we do it. Um, Instead of really digging into why are we doing it this way or why even doing that, which I think it sounds like 12 stone was great at you know bringing that up in you that that's yeah, that's what makes so many things work or not work is we understand why we're doing it and then we're doing it. Yeah, I think you can have the right idea with the wrong timing. I think mm-hmm. you could have, you know, I think all of us have the tension between managing that we want to be we want content to be relevant and we mm-hmm. want it to connect with people. Mm-hmm. But for me, it's always been like inviting God into the process from the very beginning. Like he knows who's in the room. He knows what's coming. Like, you you know, we're thinking about an event or Easter or Christmas or whatever those moments are, you know, nine months down the road, six months down the road. And we don't know the state of the economy. We don't know where people are going to be. We don't know what they're going to need. And so what we see right now, what we see today really isn't going to be where people are walking in emotionally nine months down the road, but, but Jesus does. And so yeah. that mindset of like, this might be relevant and cool today, 
but people don't necessarily connect with cool. They connect with authentic and they connect with sure. what they resonate with and where, where they're at. And so I think God knows us better than we know ourselves. He knows our audiences better than we know our audiences. And right, so right. for me, it's like, okay, that's why it's important to, okay, what's the why? Because it's, Hey, Jesus, what's the message that you're going to be proclaiming nine months from now when we gather right. together? Yeah. And it's, it's crazy to see how he'll always be faithful in that process. Yeah. And I just think about what we talked about earlier, like having a rodeo in your auditorium. Mm-hmm. Like, that's not something that everyone should go out and do. Right. Uh, but it made sense for, for Passion City in this moment that hey, this is what we're doing. Good point. And, uh, and maybe afterwards, you know, maybe somebody said we should never do that again or whatever. But that, right. that's, uh, I think uh, there's a, uh, yeah, something I appreciate about Passion from working with them and looking from a distance, there's a why behind what's going on. It's not just because it's cool or because it's flashy or not just because, you know, we have lasers and so we're going to use them every week. It's like we're, there's a, right. there's a, there's a point for them and, or, you know, whatever the thing is that there, something's not just done because. Yeah. It's all yeah. intentional design for sure. Yeah. Is there any difference in in your thinking, like when you're working with, say, John Maxwell for a conference versus the things you're doing with Passion City, is there? Do you think differently, or is do, does your process kind of look the same? Yeah, I I think very differently. I think you think very oh, yeah. differently, especially because, and I think that's part of like the step one of like listening is that mm-hmm. it's really just getting to know the client and getting to know the culture and yeah. culture is different everywhere. And, right. you know, just like, I feel like, you know, God has a unique purpose for each one of us. Like he has a unique purpose for each organization. And yeah. so it's not a right and a wrong. It's not like, sure. Oh, this culture's right. And this culture's wrong. Right. Right. So it really is just, getting to know like, yeah, the, the John Maxwell culture is incredibly different from the passion culture because we're reaching a completely different audience. Right. Um, it's a completely different demographic, but it's also a calling that I feel like, you know, John has on his life that is different from the mission that passion has. And so it would, you know, it wouldn't serve them well to walk in with one formula and one mentality of like, this is how we're going to cookie cut this event because it works across right. the board. Um, sure. Yeah. So I think I approach it incredibly different. And it really, it just comes down to that beginning process of like sitting in the room, listening, really getting to know the people in it and really beginning to like hear, okay, well, what do we think this year is going to feel like or look like? Right, and right. it's hard because then you have to shift what you've learned in one audience works, <laughs> doesn't work in, the, in another audience. And I've learned the hard sure. way that with John, I mean, I had a lot of ideas that just uh-huh. bombed that I thought <laughs> were going to be unbelievable. And in the moment, you know, it was like, yeah. well, that didn't really go as planned. I know John a little bit uh, just from working with him uh, at Willow Creek over the years, and I'm like I can ima- I'm I can picture him, or I'm imagining him in your conversation with yes. an idea that bonds. You probably he was probably so honoring and uh, yeah, yeah, just grandfatherly towards you. <laughs> and you know, it's like in our idea in, in our mind that bombed, but in the room right, right. people were like, "That was amazing." I mean, yeah. for us, we're so <laughs> critical of the work that we do, but it's right. still yeah. like. It still was impactful. It still was valuable. Yeah. But yeah, it yeah. was like, I probably won't do that one again. Probably yeah. not going to do that again. <laughs> oh, man, that's funny. Um, so, Sabrina, as we're kind of wrapping up, anything uh, you'd like to add or something you've remembered along the way that you wanted to mention? Um, yeah, I mean, one book that I had mentioned earlier, I was able to find the title of it. It's called Anonymous. Okay. The tagline is Jesus hidden years and yours. And the author is Alicia Brickhole. And I think, you know, for me, 
I just love that, that that's something that we like really leaned into during this conversation today is like that nothing really happens overnight. Yeah. And although it might look like in a moment, God changes the story or the opportunity happens or the door opens up or that relationship starts. It's really been years and years of forming and preparing for that. And so I think if I could say one resource that has helped me the most in all of those seasons has been, you know, this book was super helpful for me when I was at 12 stone and just kind of being able to sit with God and sit in those seasons of ambiguity and, and really, you know, not let the restlessness make us move faster than, than God's moving. Sure. Yeah. So good. Thanks so much for making time. It was great to kind of catch up. Sure, Todd. It was great to talk with you. Thanks for having me. Yeah. See ya. It was really nice to finally talk with Sabrina when we weren't in full production mode on something completely different. You know what? I loved her talking about allowing for space and margin for ideas to sit. As someone who wants to get to the problem-solving part of the idea quickly, this has traditionally been difficult for me to just let ideas sit. And for those of you who are primarily in the execution side of things, I think you know what I'm talking about. And the idea of figuring out the why is something I really resonate with. So many churches are doing things just because, because they saw somebody else doing it, because it seems like a cool thing, instead of really digging into what's right for their church. How should we be doing this? What is the thing that we're doing? I would recommend listening to Simon Sinek's TED Talk, which is titled Start With Why. Uh, It really is a game changer. His last name, Sinek, is S-I-N-E-K if you're Googling that. Anyway, uh, Sabrina also mentioned the book that was instrumental in her journey to starting her own production company. Uh, It's called Anonymous, Jesus Hidden Years and Yours by Alicia Britt Cole. C-H-O-L-E is the last name. Uh, There'll be a link to this book in our show notes, as well as a link to Roya Productions, which is Sabrina's company. All right. For those of you who are still thinking about whether or not you should come to Philo, there's still time. You can go to philo.org. You can register now for our online experience. For those of you who couldn't take the time to travel to Philo, now you can just attend in your pajamas. Do it. I mean, get better at what you do all the time wearing stretchy pants. What could be better? Uh, The dates are May 19th and 20th. We'd love to have you join us. Keep up to date on what's happening at Philo the Philo Conference, Instagram, Lives. You can do that by subscribing to our podcast wherever you get your podcast from. We'd also love a review on iTunes. It helps us get the word out. You can subscribe to our newsletter where we're keeping you up to date. Also on our social media platforms, which is at Philo Community on Facebook and Instagram and at Philo Conference on Twitter. So don't forget, if you have questions or suggestions for the podcast, we'd love to hear about them. So send us an email, philopodcast at philo.org. All right, until next time.